This is the Ad Nontech Podcast, conversations about education, technology, and culture, with Dr. Doug Reed and Dr. Matt Stranick. Thank you for joining us. My name is Dr. Doug Reed, and I am located in Abigue, the traditional and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people. My name is Dr. Matthew Stranick, and I am located in Manaquisk in St. John, New Brunswick, which is situated on the traditional and unceded territory of the Wulastukyuk Maliseet people. Greetings, everyone, hither and yon, and uh, especially perhaps those in the yawn. Uh, this is uh, episode 47, officially. There may have been some, uh, you, you'd be, you'd, you'd be uh, not wrong to be a little questionable about the nomenclature, about the numbering, and uh, that might be something for the notes, or it might be something we get into now, but uh, we are officially officially calling this episode 47 of the Ed Nontech podcast with Dr. Doug Reed and, as ever, Dr. Matt Stranick. How are you doing, Doug? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. How are you doing? You've been busy? Yeah, well, as you can see from my uh, 1800s automobile garage surroundings, there's a lot to do. Any given, uh, you know, area. I sort of thought uh, the first thing that came to mind in terms of uh, the topic today, which uh, is very timely, I think. But uh, in all uh, seriousness, I've been busy. <laughs> there are weeks and then there are weeks, which, uh, Doug, I think you may know about. Friends. People who may see my activities on various of the social media outputs that are out there, um, I offer no apologies or explanations, but simply to say it has been a week among weeks. So we could go with that further or not. How, how are you, Doug? Though, like, what's your? It's it's been you know uh, a couple of weeks since we've done like a proper episode, if you will. Uh, so uh, why don't you just uh, give me a little rundown about uh, what you've been up to and or what the topic is today, bud? Sure. I'll start with the topic, which is sure. preparation and education, which came out of the last recording that we did. And we can get to that. We'll, we'll get sure. to that. But that's where my idea was, because that right week of weeks, I had that two weeks ago. <laughs> so last week was kind of a recovery time for me to, to get my feet back under me and take a breath and I uh, so did not recover anything last week um, but I will say um, in all seriousness uh, with the uh, new conversation series if you will uh, so with Dr. Lee Smith the newly minted uh, a couple of recordings back and then with uh, the recording just a couple of days ago 
with uh, doctoral candidate and uh, all around awesome person, Kara Loy. So in as much as we're sort of trying new things on the format uh, and actually, again, of the week that I had, <laughs> it was a real high point being able to sort of bookend that with those two really cool conversation uh, with two awesome, experienced educators, leaders, uh, because we don't really go into the leadership side of things on this show. We're really more about curriculum and curricular kind of issues relatively. So when people come in from like another area, it's like, really, you know, you've got similar problems, but framed a different way. So that's just been kind of some of my takeaways. Uh, in terms of the other stuff, I am so not going to discuss other stuff. Um, it would leave me feeling insecure, insecure, if you know what I mean, personally. Uh, if not professionally. Yeah. Yeah, right? Anyways, dude, um, so in as much as this extended from our last uh, conversation, you know, with uh, – I presume that you're speaking to the uh, Lee Smith conversation with yes. this one now. Okay, so yeah, maybe yeah. draw that distinction a little bit more clearly for those who may not have necessarily checked it out. Sure. So we headed in a new way, a new avenue, a new approach, uh, a new direction. Uh, let's give this an experiment and a try. And I didn't know how to prepare. I, I'm assuming that was very obvious with no. our actions and stuff. I didn't know how to prepare. I didn't know what to do. When I'm when I do interviews, my interviews are to collect data, and I have always been taught, shut the heck up, let the person talk. You're trying to get info from them, or or ask guiding questions and let them take you to wherever. Mm. So between not preparing correctly for what I was trying to do and it was a new person and I'm an introvert and not having experience with just having the general chat skills and all that I I felt very uncomfortable and I've reflected upon that now for about two weeks or at least a week and a half and this is part of the okay how did my preparation not help or how what could I have done differently right like I love to reflect I like to say okay what will I do next time and at some point, when I get my act together, get my brain working, I'd love to pop in on another conversation. But I'm so happy that you're willing to take the lead on that and 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 do that. I think that's a wonderful direction to head. Well, I appreciate that, pal. And uh, again, apart from even the fact that I'm sort of making inroads with kind of people who I've known for whatever period of time, um, I just feel like in terms of the value that the show can bring to a potential audience, I think, is expanded. The perspective, the range, the scope of the program, mm -hmm. whatever you want to say, is enhanced when people from different areas come in and add their perspective in as much as it's going to lead to a contributing set of notes and, uh, you know, all the artifacts in true construction constructionist fashion sort of uh, reformat or use for further reflection down the stretch. Uh, so I just, you know, I, my whole life, I mean, the way that I live and not everybody does, I, I know that you are of this mentality yourself, I think, bud, that uh, 
a multiplicity of perspectives can only enhance uh, how you engage with the world, right? So I appreciate, uh, you know, the fact that you've given a serious think on this and that you are now sort of ready to share the results of an inquiry based on that reflection, dude. I think that's just really an awesome uh, way of walking it like we talk it in terms of what we uh, suggest on the show, if I can say that, right? So, yeah. Yeah, it's part of my journey as a lifelong learner. It's very rare that I try something new and I'm really good at it right away. Like I have to fall in every ditch and I have to watch other people because I've never examined the other person conversation. Like I've seen hundreds upon thousands of interviews, but I've never paid attention to to that interaction the same way that I've started to do since you and I did it with Lee. Right so on. It was really interesting for me, and I wanted to dig in deeper, and my default is over-prepare. <laughs> that's, that's my default scenario. Honestly, though, for all you aspiring you know, teacher candidates, if you are somebody who may be hearing this, who is sort of newer on the professional teaching realm, I honestly, when I first saw this title, I thought, this is a great topic. And then I thought, you know, my first reaction is you're only as good as your preparation as a teacher. Um, and I have had experiences, particularly when I was younger, where I just didn't know how much to prepare. So I did have that time. I think everybody's had the time where you go into the classroom and you realize very quickly that you're there for an hour, 75 minutes longer in an undergraduate class. And you've got probably 10 or 15 minutes worth of coverage from what you actually had thought to bring in. And so then what do you do, right? So um, this is absolutely a timely, practical topic uh, that I think anybody at any stage in their career really could benefit from. Um, so this first reference, bud, we're going back to 2001 for this. For, uh, Feynman, yeah. Feynman Nemser? That is, yeah. is, what, what's that one about, bud? Okay, the, the quote is about how student learning is related to the teachers and how teachers teach depends on their knowledge and skills and commitments and what they bring to it and what they've thought about. Because if you've done a lesson plan, if you've done your prep work, you've thought about it. It's very different than the person walking down the corridor saying, okay, what the heck am I doing until lunch? <laughs> And Very much so. I haven't met a teacher, a professional educator, that hasn't done that on occasion where it's life happens, right? Somebody gets sick or I had <laughs> there was one point in my career where I was going through a rough stretch in a relationship and my car died three times on the way to work. And the last time it died, it died in a four way stop right in front of the high school. And it died dead. It was minus a zillion Celsius. It was like minus 35 Celsius. And I hadn't even taken the time to like defog the windows. So I had my side window open to get the air in. And then it died in the intersection. So I got out and I slammed the door so hard, the glass shattered everywhere. So not only do I have a dead vehicle, I can see my school. I'm already late. 
And thankfully, another teacher was the next car through, and he helped me push the car out of the intersection. So I get to class, and I just kind of put my head on my desk because I couldn't even get into my room because I left my keys in the car because I had to push it off the road. So I had to borrow some keys to get in. I got in, and I just put my head on my desk. And this this nice this nice student came up to me, and she was like, "Mr. Reed, are you okay?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> she goes, "Are you gonna? Do you think you'll be okay today?" I said, "Not today. Maybe tomorrow." And she turned around and she just screamed out. She's like, "Leave Mr. Reed alone. He's having a bad day." Right. So this little ten year old girl just blasts the whole class, and the class was so good all day because I was just. And we did something. I have no idea what we taught, but I know it was not my best work, and I know I learned from that. But so it's it's about where are you at as a teacher? Where are you at in your practice? Some people can get away with it, right? I I worked with a guy who used to wear one of those, you know, those like varsity hockey jackets, like with the leather sleeves, and they have your name on the side and your position on the other side. The name on the sleeve was Winger. He wasn't a left winger or a right winger. He was winging it every day. Like he just would walk in and figure out what he was doing at the time. So that always kind of drove me bonkers a little bit. How about with you? You you've done a bunch of teaching. What what are your thoughts on all that? Well, I mean, first of all, um, I, I appreciate you know sort of the, uh, the the storytelling aspect of it. My first thought with your, um, you know, thing about breaking down at the four-way is that's the reason that I don't have a driver's license. <laughs> not really, not really, but it's just like, man, that just must be, that just must have been such a, a stressful, just like cringy, depressing moment. Uh, I, I, again, uh, a lot of people might not have actually gone into the classroom at that point. They may have just called their admin and just said, this is like just the universe is against me today. You did not. You you went in, you persevered. So I think just that uh, tenacity uh, of just and, and building that tenacity into your outlook and your day-to-day approach is, 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 is pretty it must have been a pretty um, powerful experience, honestly. So, you know, just um, I, 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 in, ter- in terms of my own anecdotes or whatever, uh, I guess I would just say that um, uh, I've always, I think, tried to recognize what my students in whatever situation are bringing to the situation and as much as possible, try and have that be part of the curriculum. Um, and that's really been informed. I mean, I, I, as I mentioned to Kara, uh, when I was speaking with her just a few days ago, um, I went into the doctoral route, like within five years, within six years of, of being like a teacher for the first time, which is, 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 is pretty unusual. I mean, because I, I, I wasn't planning to be a professional academic. I was just planning to enhance my teaching practice and ability. So, um, what I really came to value, because, I mean, my first six months um, as a teacher, as I kind of talked about during our chat with Lee, I mean, I just felt like I was really clueless and really insecure, really stressed out, really anxious. 
And part of like just a practical curricular strategy for that was like, okay, worksheets. I can design a worksheet and the basis of this class with these kids can be filling out this worksheet together, seat work, individual. Then we go around, you know, and share what people, you know, each kid wrote for differently for the same prompt. Um, and just worksheets, that sort of became my mantra. Okay, and then, so then have them build, you know, have them do an illustration to go with a scenario. And it's just like, once I realized just some basic Word document, you know, print it off, take it to the, uh, you know, photocopier. And if that was the level of prep, I mean, I didn't even necessarily need to have anything else. I, once I realized, okay, worksheet plus textbook, that's your hour. That right there is your hour. And so my interest then, because I recognize like curriculum design as a thing, even if I wasn't really calling it that. So when I got into the B.Ed. program and we had like a, a half of a credit module on instructional technology, I was like, yeah, that's, you know, because then, you know, you build out these digital resources. I think they were using smart boards, but still you have your preloaded smart board lesson and you can put it on your USB stick and jam it into the front of the thing. And then your content pops up and like it's like a PowerPoint, but I can touch it and it's really big and I can do, you know, I can add like a swirl to it with the interaction and whatever. And so I, I actually, I mean, uh, we, we made fun of smart boards, I think, and rightfully so. But, um, but like for a guy who was 31 or 32 years old and still within his first three or four years of being a teacher, it's like, it was kind of neat. And then that yeah. sort of was like curriculum, prepare something online, give them an online environment. And so the master's degree in instructional design. And then I'm just like, I may as well just build my own little industry of this because at that point, you know, why the hell not? Because I can. And a lot of people would like to have the opportunity to do that stuff. Right. So who am I to pass up that kind of thing? So um, really, it was just once I saw tangibly how a chaotic, stressful situation for me could be mitigated by an explicit, tangible, physical product in the form of this worksheet um, that just gave me agency. And, you know, maybe I would have found my agency some other way, but that was something that I remember has given me a lot of confidence. And I've sort of used it as a, a touchstone throughout my career. Um, if I can plan it in advance, if I can build some kind of online asynchronous thing, whatever, in various configurations, um, that this is going to be helpful for whoever is going to be a student that I'm working with. And it also lets me think as like, you know, conveyor of information and whatever else. Wow, I was not really expecting uh, to say that much to that particular question, Bud. So thanks for the opportunity. Um, yeah, man. So one thing I love about your example is I know a lot of people poo-poo worksheets because they've been used poorly in the past by some. Yeah, That's the same as dis discussion forums have been used poorly. They've also been used well. And the way yep. you just described, you built a structure for the students. So the students knew where they were going. You knew where yep. you were going. You expressed your 
expectations for them, and it was all above board. It's here's what we're doing today. Here's where we're yeah. headed. Here's the proof at the end. People, That's right. A lot of people really enjoy knowing. They love the signposts. It's yes. here's where we're going to head. <laughs> here's where we're, what we're trying to do today. Because there's nothing worse than sitting in like a meeting, like a staff meeting, and it's like, okay, why are we here? What what's going on? This meeting <laughs> could have been an email. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Totally. That's exactly it. So I I just loved your example. So thank you for sharing. Oh, that. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Um. So does this somewhat then I think lead us into uh, this Shen Popnik Sui and Fan? I guess I could have just said Shen at all about lesson planning, allowing teachers to explore multiple aspects of pedagogical content knowledge um, and so forth. I mean, that's that's pretty good, right? That's that's some good stuff. That's it forces the, the teachers and the educators to think deeply about the subject matter. And that's the time commitment that just needs to happen. It, we need to know. Once you've been teaching for a few years and you know your curriculum, okay, whatever. You can modify this and modify that. But early on, my first year as a teacher, my um, principal at the time sat me down and said, some people here don't write lesson plans and it drives me crazy. He goes, you are going to draw, write lesson plans because you need to. He goes, you're, you're fresh out of university. You don't know enough to the not. So you have to write lesson plans. And I was kind of boggled that it was an option to not, because that's just not <laughs> what I would do. Because how, when else do you think deeply about it? Like, when else do you put that thought into it? It's last night, uh, a buddy of mine plays one of these big online video games, and he showed me how to play. And we plan it out. We go into this mission. It's like, okay, we're going to go in, and this is the objective, and this is where you got to move your character, and this is where I'll move mine. And we plan it out beforehand. And then we went in, and it worked. And it was, like, super easy. And I was like, wow, is it always that easy? He's like, no. <laughs> he said, but you did exactly what I told you to do. That makes it way easier. He's like, yeah, I'll take it. We, we had the discussion because otherwise – we're in the middle of, okay, what do we do now? Right? Cause I'm going to fall into some basement or fall off that building or who knows in the video game, what I'm going to do. You're going you're, you're, to be reacting and responding to stimulus in the moment. Um, and because yeah. you haven't necessarily given some foresight to your actions in advance, all of your cognitive load is really just, or, or it's, you know, cognitive ability is really overloaded just in sense making in the moment, uh, trying to ascertain the various uh, sensory phenomena and the various uh, schema that's producing those. Um, and so then your ability to just sort of operate in a normal capacity is just diminished because you're just still so, you know, trying to a figure something out and then b act on it uh it's just yeah no it sounds sounds like a legit challenge um i uh i've been hearing this kind of thing from my kids i mean my kids uh have been obviously they're part of just post gen z i don't know what or the, the tail end of gen z i don't know what necessarily they're going to call those kids but i mean 
they are engaged with gaming far in far more deeply, um, like cognitively. Yep. There, there's there's hooks uh, into the in the content and the format that I mean I just couldn't have fathomed. Right. I will. I, I told my my boy, my my fourteen year old. I was I was like honestly, son. By the time uh, I was your age, I was done mostly with any kind of gaming on vid, like video gaming, such as it was. But I also recognize that there's just way more to them now, uh, and that these are active experiences, right? So, as a fan of culture and of uh, storytelling, I, I don't find anything to you know put down about it. It's just. Uh, it's it's just uh, it's it's interesting, right? It's it's part of the culture. It's it's where we're at right now, kind of, right? So, and to jump back to a previous point, there's literature that I didn't include here. I didn't know we were going to talk about it, but okay, research has been done in with um, surgeons, like uh, medical doctors, surgeons, and the ones that play video games for whatever, like 15 minutes a day, have better reaction times to like unexpected stimulus. So they plan it out better and they end up having more success with their surgeries, with their professional practice, because they're used to something unexpected happening. So there's values that way too. It's you plan for the best (laughs) or you hope for the best, plan for the worst, that sort of thing. Well, and I think um, just... uh... It, it goes along with, uh, I believe it's a Mike Tyson quote, where he says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. It, it's it's along that line. Just like, okay, you've been punched in the mouth, now what? <laughs> what do you do now? I think you just have to make getting punched in the mouth part of your regular training um, for a situation until then uh, it's just okay, I can respond adequately and appropriately after being punched in the mouth. Um, this is, um, I was, I, I was just going to say though, um, just what you're putting in me and when you sort of mentioned um, that sort of just kind of led to a thought for me where um, there's this whole, uh, I think we, we could probably do a whole episode for sure about uh, serious gaming uh, simulation based training uh, because in like medical situations, I mean, those, those simulation labs, I mean, I remember at uh, dear old TRU uh, when they built the uh, new simulation lab and you could actually walk past uh, and you just see, I mean, so it's, so it's like, what's, what's the distinction between uh, gamified learning and simulation based sort of setups of various kinds, digital, physical, and otherwise. Um, so I just think that whole, that's a whole vein we could uh, totally go down and into. And it's uh, it's interesting how that uh, extended pretty naturally from just some discussion about preparation, just to sort of get through your moment in the classroom and realize some learning outcomes, some predetermined learning outcomes to get from that to a chat about gaming, simulation, whatever, it's its actually not that far of a stretch, really. Um, so I think that's a, a pretty a pretty cool insight, dude. 
Um, was there anything else about this uh, uh, Shen at Al that uh, landed with you? Or? No, it was the, my. It, it always comes back to you have to think about it before time. That that's all yes. lesson planning and preparation is is thinking about it ahead of time. Be intentional. Yeah. 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 Wake up like you're doing it on purpose every morning, right? It's it's just like that. Wake up like you're doing it on purpose. I, that's uh, again, I I, I kind of drew out a couple of uh, the past couple things where I'm like, that would make a good ed tech T-shirt. Like, wake up like you're doing it on purpose. That's I don't know if that's a, you if that's if we can put a TM on that one, but that's uh, that's quite good. Um, well, the next one here then um, Jeepers Creepers, uh, Luzianak. We're gonna go with that. And Walton, 2011. Story to the first author. Um, and this, I think, speaks to the reasons for lesson planning, Doug, besides, I guess, just wanting to not fall down on your butt in front of other people, which could be stressful and embarrassing. Yeah. And they talk about um, student teachers. And student teachers are, they're novices. They're learning how to do it. And when you learn how to do anything, you got to spend that prep time. It's it's like Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours, whether that's true or not. They, The more you work at it and try to improve, the better you're going to get. Up to, of course, there's limitations and all that. But with with this, it's the, they okay, they know that's taken care of. Because the hardest part of teaching is not the preparation and not the lesson plans. The hardest part of teaching is dealing with the students. For me, it's it's okay. That child up front is having a bad day. The child at the back that never engages was with the other parent. <laughs> one parent lets them run wild all weekend. So one day, that child just wants to come and sleep, right? Another, who knows what, right? It could be all oh, the breakup. Oh, so and so doesn't like me anymore, and who knows what you're going to deal with, right? Dealing with humans is hard. So what do we do? So we prep for the stuff we know that we're going to have immediate needs with, and that's the lesson plan. Here's where we're going to get today. The plan is we're going to talk about this concept. You're going to work on that and build your knowledge. And who knows? It's do page 87 in the textbook. Do do the worksheet. Build the paper mache volcano. Whatever. Whatever your activity is, get that stuff ready. And, And that includes... Like, I used to hate teaching science, and I I'm, I like science, but the teaching of science I didn't enjoy because it was go get all the equipment. So I'd get there an hour before class, and I'd have to go find all the things, whatever the science lesson was that day. It was like art. It was, okay, where are the paints? <laughs> where are the paintbrushes? Where are the, 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 the water things that you wipe the paints off with? All of that stuff, it was the prep time to go get that. If I show up, if I'm walking to class figuring out my lesson, I don't have time to do any of that. So that's a disaster. So that's out. So any richness or any possibilities for the students to to excel, that's out the window. So saying to the student teachers, okay, let's take this part out of the equation. We'll let you focus on the really hard bit, which is what they need to be doing during the lesson. Managing those human relationships. 
that's the such that uh, yeah, and having attention such that uh, you're both engaging the class as a whole while at the same time having a sense of where each individual is and then being able to prioritize both, you know, ascertain that accurately, which itself is, you know, a challenge. Uh, and then to be able to prioritize because the human sensory experience is limited to a linear sequential execution of actions. So when you to, to draw from your example, um, you know, assuming that you got in and assuming that you were prepared for your lesson, presuming you had the uh, uh, the slide projector and uh, your paintbrushes and everything and your microscopes and slides, just you know, so assuming you got all that, then while the students are sort of engaged with the curriculum, then you can go, OK, so. Is it the kid with the head down that should be getting the attention first or, you know, this other person who is clearly distracting these other kids or, you know, whatever it's it's there'll be various things and various phenomena within the class. And just even knowing how to which is the most important moment by moment um, for the order and uh, the, the overall learning experience is, is really um, pretty, pretty significant. And I think when we were talking um, during the uh, chat we did for uh, Pam Gurney's Education 5000 class, um, a lot with those new teachers is uh, you just, you don't know how much experience people have. You don't know really what their disciplinary orientation is, um, but this is something for sure where if you prep your curricular stuff in advance, then you have the bandwidth free to do the real work of teaching, which is to to a large degree um, babysitting people between you know of, in and of a certain age, or or giving them moral lessons or, or whatever. Um, I, I kind of feel like I, I kind of wandered a bit there towards the end, but uh, but this is uh, just kind of what uh, what comes to mind, right? So and. For me, it goes along with like the technology has made it even more important. If, right. if I want to do a Kahoot, like if I want to do some little online quiz, online activity, competition thing, and I use Kahoot, for example, because everybody can download it on their phones and or down, use it on their computers if you're in the computer lab, whatever. Whatever the situation is, you can't go to Kahoot two seconds beforehand and start doing a search for whatever your content area is because all of those cahoots that are available for anybody to use have been made by another amateur cahoot. Right. Person. They might be professional educators, but holy smokes, they could have a career, completely different curricular outcomes and they might have some very different opinions on things. So, you got to do that ahead of time. You have to take the time, get it ready to say, here's where I'm headed, because then you can say, here's where I think the students are going to struggle. So it it's easier to help with the relationships if you smooth out some of the struggles. Like everybody's going to have some friction and there, there's going to be struggles. And that's not bad, right? That people learn by not accomplishing the thing the first time. So it's what what can we do to make it the best learning opportunity possible? Because if somebody's just coming in and they're failing outright over and over and over and over again, they're just going to give up. 
So how do we how do we? It's going to lead to uh, it's going to lead to burnout and attrition, uh, which are extremely a common phenomena with uh, first year or you know early career educators of pretty much any level. And a lot of that comes down to a lack of curricular knowledge uh, and pedagogical knowledge for sure. But then a lot of it comes down to um, how well schools or other institutions or organizations are set up to provide mentorship and uh, just-in-time kind of training opportunities or or coaching or things like that. Again, uh, just to speak to a previous role where I showed up and then didn't really hear much for six months uh, of any kind as to just, you should be doing maybe something, you know, it's, I, I was doing stuff, but I wasn't being given any guidance. And I was still like new enough to just think, well, I just, I guess they don't think I need it. And so I just kind of blundered along on my merry way, blundered. Um, and then six months in, I'm just like getting called in by the director of the chair and just being told that, you know, I'm off to an awfully bad footing on my first go round. And it's just like, okay, but I wasn't, you know, being given any direct instruction or tasks or anything other than just what, you don't know what I like, like, okay. Again, not to be too harsh on past situations, but I mean, it's just, you know, you have, you can't just sort of give somebody it's, it's in as much as lesson plans and preparation are important. You can't just sort of throw a binder at somebody and say, okay, go teach. Here's the lesson plan. You should be able to do it. Right. It's, um, mm-hmm. there's, there's like the mental and emotional and uh, effective aspect of getting ready to be effective within that kind of setting, right? Your, your, your teaching setting, whatever that happens to be. Um, so I don't know. I think we've all got uh, our experiences with this stuff, but. And one of my biases is I started teaching a long time ago. Like I started teaching in the nineties before, I think I started before the World Wide Web was invented. It was right Pre-digital. around that time. Digital, yeah. Yeah, so the actual World Wide Web, when it made it to more of a public thing, I'd been teaching for a couple of years already. But that model of teaching was also the lone wolf, the way it's been described to me. I was told, you were a lone wolf, you did whatever you wanted, and now... That's not the way it is. Like one of the schools I used to work at was a two-stream school. There was two grade one classes, two grade two classes, two grade three classes. And I was friendly and enjoyed spending time with the other grade five teacher, but we didn't plan together. She did her thing, I did my thing. And now that's not an option. Right. Now people sit down and say, here's what we're covering. Here's how we're going to do it. And you have to make that work. So that some of the structure, some of the planning. It's not just the one teacher. If it's one person being, oh, you didn't, it's like, bug off. That's a lack of leadership. That's a lack of institutional support. That's a lack of a whole lot of things. There's no way. It was. It remains, as far as I can tell. (laughs) Not, yeah, not that I had had any recent interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and just I'll, I'll take this opportunity too to just kind of because we're we're before before diving into uh, rice and Mars, which is a okay. absolutely uh, delightful uh, pairing for an article. Rice and Mars. Um, 
but um, I, I've had the opportunity within my reading uh, last week uh, into the uh, community of inquiry framework, right? Because we, with uh, Pam's class a few recordings ago, uh, we talked about having a conceptual model, a conceptual framework to sort of inform your teaching decisions can go a long way into giving you that kind of uh, confidence and uh, continuity of experience when you're teaching your students. Um, and really, like this uh, new awesome text from, from last year, Principles of Blended Learning um, by uh, Vaughn uh, and colleagues. Uh, so it's, it's, it's uh, Norm Vaughn from uh, Mount Royal University, uh, a very longtime COI, along with, uh, I, I, I don't want to say somebody's names on it and then isn't, but uh, some very well-known colleagues including some from Athabasca University. It's an Athabasca University publication. Anyway, I just, I, I read it last week at my desk uh, because it was relevant, I felt, to what I'm doing at my, at my job. Um, and it was just fascinating. Um, and one of the things that really landed with it is you just, you really have to get into the mentality of thinking everything I'm doing in the classroom and outside of the classroom and online should all be intentional. It should all be planned. It should all be sort of thought of in advance. Um, the structure to support discourse needs to be there. Otherwise, it's just sort of uh, herding cats or the monkeys out of the zoo or, or whatever. I mean, not to be flippant about it, but um, going in, having conceptual model, having some kind of to inform them your preparation um, it just, again, it's about leaving room for those human moments that are completely unscripted, but you still have to account for and manage uh, and hopefully optimize people's learning. So, again, a bit of a, a bit of a bit of I don't I don't know if that's a digression, but it just sort of it seemed like a timely time to to shout out to that awesome book that I was really a high point of a pretty up and down and chaotic week for me honestly so and that that ties in with what race and mars 2023 is saying when they're awesome. planning for effective instruction because effective is an important word there and yes. i know that they're not i don't think they're coming out of the education realm i think they're coming out of the agriculture realm because it's the art and science of teaching agriculture because effective is not a term that i see used a whole lot i use the term effective in my research proposal for my PhD and every single person in the room snapped their head around when I said <laughs> that word and I was what like what does oh, that even no. mean yeah apparently in the 70s and 80s there was a lot of discussion oh. on what that word meant and I didn't have that history I was using it as if I was Joe average walking down the street but I walked into the hallowed halls of academia and used the word, and everybody had a very strong opinion. Their ears were burning a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it, it ended up being okay because, you know, when you get feedback at these things, if you leave, like, low-hanging fruit for people to pick at, they pick at it, and that was the <laughs> word. Everybody picked at that. <laughs> so it, it makes me feel okay now. But when we're talking about it, 
like with this this quote, the Rice and Mars quote, planning provides a thoughtful blueprint to guide our instruction. Yeah. However, remember the learning environment is dynamic and ever changing. In my self-reflection, that's what I felt I didn't do in when we interviewed Lee. Right. I, I tried to to do the planning, but the dynamic, ever changing and learning environment was the part I fell down on in my I mean, dude, I mean, I'm just going to say, first of all, I, I recognize and appreciate that, you know, you're feeling those were your feelings in the moment. Um, and I recognize and appreciate you. You did kind of give me some we, we had some debrief to that effect. Um, but honestly, man, I really think that that episode was fine. Uh, it was really yeah. it was the, the people who have watched it um, have kind of just indicated to me that it's it's a cool thing. So, I mean. I would not uh, minimize or, you know, problematize your involvement because to me it was a really solid, interesting, engaging conversation due to the contributions of all three parties, including yeah. you, obviously. So, And I'm, I'm not trying to be negative. Oops, sorry, somebody just sneezed. Ugh, okay, somebody go down. <laughs> but – this is about me, where my head was at. Of course. That's, that's why it's, That's why I need to do the reflection after. That's why I need to meditate on it. That's why totally. I need to, to do my lifelong learning stuff to figure it out. And this right. just rang out to me because I've been teaching for a long time. I've been talking to educators for most pretty well my entire adult life. And how could I let that slip? that the learning environment is dynamic and ever changing. So yeah, it's just one of those things. This is, this is about me. I'm dealing yeah. with it. Oh man. It's, it's, it's totally legit. Uh, any Avenue of inquiry uh, and reflection is encouraged and welcome. Um, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, you could, you, it's, you ask somebody how they're doing and they say fine, but what they're really thinking is, Otherwise, <laughs> I'm just otherwise, you know, and, and we all are both uh, on the asking and, uh, you know, we're, we, we've both we, we've all been on both sides of that. Right. So uh, good for you, man, for kind of uh, taking uh, an, an opportunity to uh, recognize a sticking point for you and just really going back and uh, unpacking it in a thoughtful way, bringing some resources to it. Uh, and sort of allowing a discussion afterwards to kind of inform your own uh, understanding and adding to uh, the, uh, the value of, of the show overall. So uh, I think that's pretty friggin' legit, Matt. Yeah, like I'm, I know I'm hard on myself, right? That's just hardwired into me. The only people that are harder on me than myself is the sociopaths I've had to deal with. <laughs> so it's like because I've had to deal with a couple. They're far worse than than anything else. But it's I know I'll get there. It's 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 like when have you ever had to have like grab some tools and fix something? No. You you gotta swear. I I have to swear because I you gotta let it out because otherwise it stays in. It's it's get it out. They've done those uh, pain studies. They've done the um, physiological research. And they said it's one of these things where if you put your hand in cold water and then how long can you stand it and, and all that. And for one group, they said you're not allowed to swear. 
And the other group, they said you were. And the people that were allowed to swear lasted way longer dealing with the discomfort because it was just a response. You get it out and it makes it a bit better. <laughs> so, so th- this is, that's all I'm doing. I'm just trying Science to say, okay. rocks, man. Oh yeah. yeah. It's almost like they know what they're doing. Yeah. Some days. Yeah. Some, <laughs> some weeks. Days. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that summarizes uh, basically the the references here, bud. But of course, uh, we we do have some pretty uh, stellar visuals packed into the Google Doc. Um, Are any of these kind of uh, jumping out at you? I I see a pretty wide variety in terms of the types of illustrations on this one. My favorite one is the comic book one. There's, There's four there. So for people that are listening... Please go take a look. This is where I was at. <laughs> this is. I, I thought the episode was great when I went back and listened, so it, it wasn't that. But this is where I was at in my reflections and dealing with it. And there's one of the things has um, two superheroes talking. And one of the superheroes is one of my favorite heroes from the X-Men. I used to have uh, hundreds upon hundreds of X-Men comics. And one lady said... Oh, so this is plan B? And the superhero goes, no, 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 not plan B, plan two. Plan B implies we only have 26 plans. <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, I have way more than 26 plans. Way more. Way more. Way right. more. So it's that. Well, that it's that, that is legit. I, and I uh, appreciate the uh, any, any kind of pop culture or uh, specifically comic book iconography that we can throw in here. Comics are good for you, kids, oh, and they yeah. always have been. Zoom, but but don't expect to get rich selling them later. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Unless you've got like the uncanny X Men, you know, like number w- within the first ten issues, and it's like in a yeah. Uh, as a as a vinyl aficionado, I can uh, somewhat relate. Um, well, so even even with the first ten, I've discovered that's not it. It has to be the special one. Like I had, I had New Mutants number ninety nine, first appearance of Deadpool, first time Deadpool ever popped up, and I barely read the comic because I was just waiting for New Mutants to end and whatever else was happening. And that was, I ended up managing a friend of mine helped me sell it for like eight hundred bucks. But I had another 800 comics that I couldn't give away. Right. <laughs> so that kind of right. balances out. Pennies on the dollar for those ones. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That well, is that is dollar. legit, man. That is legit. So uh, we're sort of uh, winding it down on uh, a sort of uh, pretty explicit tie to uh, culture, fandom, and curatorship. So – how fine a line to go from sort of preparation, which is just sort of seen almost as like, well, you got to prepare for your job, but then, you know, sort of hitting a sort of lower order of um, outcome, but then you go up to curatorship, it's more intended, it's more, and then even like refined curatorship where with your friend, like out of all of these 800 comics, here's the one that's, that's going to, provide the value that the rest of them rest on. Um, I mean, that's just pretty uh, sort of 
again, thinking about uh, just uh, lower the blooms or something, right? Going up to higher order stuff. So I think that's just a really uh, a nice way to wind down uh, the episode somewhat, uh, except, of course, for the word, phrase, and question of the podcast. Okay. The word of the podcast was preparation, because this was about getting ready, doing the planning, preparing for where you're headed, and keeping your eye on the prize. Heading right. in, continuing to head in the direction. Question of the podcast is how can educators adapt when their planning does not prepare them for what they're trying to teach? Because there have been times when plans go off the rails, and then what do you do? And what's I, your backup? And then what's your backup for your backup? It's it's worth thinking about, really. Yeah. I I had to give you another example. I had a lesson one Friday morning and fifteen minutes early. Like it just I couldn't get to lunch. <laughs> like it was okay. What do I do for the next fifteen minutes? And we were doing art afterwards. And so I was like, let's start brainstorming the art. So I was stealing from from the art lesson to, to do it early. And that ended up blowing up in my face because we were we were going to be doing, um, creating dinosaurs. We were going to be drawing and painting and using a bunch of stuff to create dinosaurs and all that. And then it was, okay, what kind of dinosaurs do you want to make? And what's your favorite dinosaur? And the kids were getting into it. Oh, I like this, I like that, because it's dinosaurs. And then somebody, one of the kids said, but dinosaurs weren't real. I said, no, 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 there's no dinosaurs left. No, 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 God put dinosaur bones in the ground to test our faith. And I was like, oh. It's one of you. I've heard of you. And now I've got one of you in my class. Awesome. So, thankfully, somebody was looking out for me because the bell rang about 10 seconds later for lunch. And I was like, get out. (laughs) I'll go figure out. And I walked into the staff room, like, chuckling about it. And it's like, who told the kids this? And I barely got out of the staff room alive, right? I had about seven different people come at me saying, well, of course, that's what it is. And it's like, oh, I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> I got to find someplace else to be. So, yeah, the beliefs did I, 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 At one point, in, 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 well, thank you for that. Um, at one point in my life, I was sort of, um, in my when I was in my Ontario years, so we're talking 10-ish years ago, uh, publicly, Ontario publicly funded Catholic schools because they just happen to be the nicest school in our area. And my, my wife was just like, you're Catholic, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. I got, you know, the, the documentation. So, um, and, but so I, I for, 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 for three years, two out of three years I was there, I, I was sort of a regular somewhat uh, attending at mass and, getting my kids into it and stuff. And I actually struck up sort of a, a friendship with the uh, parish priest, a uh, gentleman about my age, give or take. Uh, he was, he was cool duty. He was actually really smart on historical matters. And uh, we were having a discussion afterwards. Uh, you know, he was giving me just some liturgical instruction prior to my confirmation uh, sacrament or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just got into this thing about how in his view, evolution and uh, a divine origin of the universe are not incompatible in any way. Uh, And he really, 
he's a, he's a modern, open-minded person practicing in that area. And he really had a thought, a lot of thoughtful things to say about the relationship between uh, faith and history and, uh, you know, divine manifestations of the divine. And I was just like, this person is, he's not drinking this as superstitious Kool-Aid. This is like a, a certain kind of data informing his world outlook, right? And he's reconciling that with a rational science-based sort of perspective. So there's just, there's such a, a wide, your comment sort of brings to mind the fact that there's just such a wide range of perspectives on this, even among the uh, believing people, right? And even among, there's, just, there's, there's so many, there's so, always such room for more perspectives. And if you're getting into a space where, a professional space where you're, it's like they're, they're closing down avenues to other perspectives, then, I mean, yeah, it's, it's probably time to walk or you might be asked to walk. Not saying it happened to me, but I'm not saying it didn't either. So anyway, Matt, I, um, I think we didn't cover the phrase of the podcast yet. No, That's the we didn't. Point. We didn't. But, oh, but you're, you're, you're the conversation you just had, the story you just shared. I would have yeah. appreciated having that person in the room when I was in that staff room. For actually trying to get my food and getting out of that room. <laughs> so. Totally. So it just goes to show you, it's like there's as many dogmatic public school teachers as there are any other, you know, sort of thing. You can think, well, we're in a, uh, you know, knowledge-based enterprise. You think we're all playing with a set of set, the same set of cards? Like, no, <laughs> we are. Because, like, then it's like, well, everybody has their own origins and theory and lived history of knowledge, mm -hmm. right? So um, to be discussed another time because... Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. man. So and the now, phrase then... The phrase is wake up like you're doing it on purpose. I thought that was a nice way to encapsulate what we... Totally so. I, I think so. Very much so. Ed tech, ed non-tech summer t-shirts coming your way Probably not, but if there were, that would be on it. So, awesome, man. Um, well, I think that's uh, I, I think that's pretty much all I can really reasonably contribute, given yeah, my uh, given what we've already discussed, and uh, given my uh, my mental bandwidth at the present moment. Uh, anything else you wanted to uh, say before we sign off here, bud? Other than have a nice night and listen. We'll be ready for the next one soon. Yes, we're already in uh, preparation for it, if you will. Okay, bye, everybody. Take care.